If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. Today, I am here with Matt Holden. Matt, you are famous amongst many circles. <laughs> Not true, but nice to you. You totally are. You're so famous. And I love the tweet that you posted of us and talked about how we're the Korean, the Korean, what did you say? It's true. No, the Korean well, coalition, the I Korean. The Korean coalition of, of the Republicans. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's true. There's not many of us. True. Um, but that was one of the things that draw me to you um, when I first met you. But first off, I have to say, Amazing studio, tons of history. You're even on a Lifetime products table made in Clearfield, You're which right. is super cool. You know what? So your branding is spot on. <laughs> yeah, no, when we first awesome. met, I, I, I actually was talking to a friend of mine, Adam Gardner. Yes. Right? And I said, hey, who is that lady over there? Well, I'm, I'm at a Davis County Lincoln Day dinner. And How there's, come there's another Korean here? What's going on? And he said, oh, I got to introduce you. And I said, that was awesome. we need to be friends. I am so, so glad. And you have been such a good friend. Yeah. Fun tip. <laughs> he hooked us up with Holocaust Museum tickets twice. Yeah, it was fun. I we think we had we had lunch in the Senate dining we room. We did. We had lunch in, in D.C., which was very fancy. Yes. And very So that's exclusive. kind of what I've been up to. Um, the last couple years, uh, I was the deputy chief of staff to Senator Mike Lee. It happens to be, which is a very weird thing, the third time that I had worked for him. Oh, I didn't know that. So I worked for him back in uh, 2011 when he first was elected. When you were 12? <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay. I actually came from Rob Bishop's office. So I worked for Congressman Rob Bishop in D.C. Oh. And then Spencer Stokes, who's a northern Utah guy. Yes. Um, now is. a lobbyist. But at the time, he was the uh, chief of staff to Senator Lee. So he brought me over to be his assistant. Moved over to do some military issues, left after that to come back to Utah and ran Mia Love's 2012 campaign for Congress. Oh, Spencer Stokes did. I did. Oh, you did? Yes, yes. You apologies. Did? I yes. didn't know that. I did. Yeah, believe it or not. Now, that was the year Impressive. that she lost, so I can't take credit for a winning campaign. <laughs> well, But I yeah. do remember it was seven. There were seven, forces at play there. It was 768 votes. I will never forget it. Are you serious? One third of one percent. Oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. But uh, amazing memories. Um, she was a great candidate. Oh, that's um, awesome. But yeah, anyway, worked for Senator Lee three times, but this third time was his deputy chief of staff and was grateful to meet you and, and host you and your husband back there, which yeah, was fun. Yeah, you are fantastic. And you were living in D.C. halftime. Yes. So my wife, so we actually all moved out there. It was going to be an amazing adventure for us. Mm -hmm. um, but sadly, when we first moved out there, we found out that my father-in-law ended up getting brain cancer um, and had a brain tumor. Uh, and my we moved my wife and my kids back to Utah to spend time with him. He's since oh. passed. Oh. But an amazing, amazing man. They had a great time with him. Um, but yeah, I, I commuted back to Utah on the weekends and got to meet 
fun people like you. And your husband is a blast. He, and I need to go shoot shop, shopping with him. Yes. Oh, you know what? They're coming, actually. Oh, are they? They want him to host a suit party. Oh, great. <laughs> so, Count me in. Okay, I'm in. Okay, That's okay. fantastic. That'll be fun. Well, okay. So you have run Senate campaigns. You've run um, offices as yeah, a I, director. I've, You've done all kinds of things in yeah. terms of being in the political back. I've been very lucky. Behind the scenes. I've been very, very lucky. None of it was planned. I'm sure you didn't plan at the beginning I, I didn't of plan, your no. adult life to be mayor. No. But that's kind of the fun thing with life, right? Mm-hmm. You never know what's coming. You put your best foot forward, work right. hard, treat people kindly. And I think their opportunities pop up. And they do. So tell us about your newest opportunity because yeah, that seems so this exciting. Is fun. Well, Spencer Stokes is a really good friend of mine. I've always looked up to him. He's a good mentor of mine. We've known each other for probably about 13 years now, worked together as colleagues. Uh, He was my boss at at one point um, and have worked together for for quite a while. But we were chit-chatting as I wanted to transition back. I promised my wife, once we get through the primary for Senator Lee, the primary race. Okay, that was your plan. um, That I would come back to Utah. And Spencer was gracious enough to say, hey, why don't we partner up and uh, partner together in this lobbying firm and work together to help represent those in Utah that are wanting a voice up on Capitol Hill. So I'm doing that, and I'm also still connected to the Mike Lee world, uh, working on the campaign. Okay. Um, it's nice to have the primary over. Um, it is, I, and he did such a fantastic job. I, I, I think so. And, and, you know, honestly, the other candidates had incredible coalitions, mm-hmm. and they had their own unique message. And great people. And I think yeah. that that... If I can be a little partisan here, I think that message or in in the diverse message Mm -hmm. of people um, sharing what they deem to be most important is good for the Republican Party. I do too. But what's most important in my mind is that after we share those ideas and how we can be a better party, we all come together. We coalesce, we unite to push forward whoever that candidate may be to a win in November. Do you think that that will happen in terms of the other candidates? Yeah, I think Jumping we're already seeing some Are of you? that. Oh, good. Okay. Um, you know, n- I have not necessarily from the other candidates, though. I think uh, I know that the, the Senator Lee and the other candidates that ran, Ali Isom, Becky Edwards, have had conversations. They've been very respectful and cordial to one another. That's great. Um, which is beautiful to see. And I think that's the beauty of Utah. It's how we do things in Utah, right? It is. But I see, I've seen many of their supporters. Good. Um, start to coalesce and be supportive of, of Senator Lee and wanting to kind of push back against the Biden agenda and some of those things that people just may not agree with here. You know, I was interested in watching that race. Obviously, Mike Lee has done tremendous work over the years. He's got a great reputation. He's in the know. He's in the press. He's out at the forefront yeah. fighting for the Constitution. Yeah. In Davis County, where I live, yes. um, we saw a huge pushback against incumbents, it seemed like. But ex- except with the exception of Mike Lee mm. and, and Blake did really well too here. Yeah. So I was just wondering, did you expect that to happen? I mean, he's been able to get both sides is really what I'm talking about. He's been able to get the far right yeah. support as well as people that are kind of in the left middle. middle. Sure. So, I mean, that seems like it would be a tricky thing to do to hit both of them. It was a great thing to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... What you're seeing is Senator Lee has been consistent in the 12 years that he's been in office. He takes the hard stance, but he's very consistent. So if there's a policy, I think Utahns in general, if they were given a policy and they said, hey, how do you think Mike Lee would vote? Most people could probably guess. 
right? Okay. Because he's a constitutionalist. He's very consistent. But I think that what you're seeing is inflation is super high right now. It is. Um, it's crazy. My family... I felt like we had a pretty, I'm a foodie, or at least I guess if you're a true foodie, you can't call yourself a foodie. So maybe that, <laughs> you're uh, a connoisseur. maybe I'm, I'm not one, but um, our grocery budget, I felt like was a pretty significant budget, <laughs> um, but we blow past that, you know, halfway through the month yeah. and it's super frustrating. And my wife and I even said, okay, what are we doing wrong? Do we need to go to a different place? And the prices are just they're expensive, aren't they? It's super expensive. And so I think with inflation, I think with things that are happening abroad, I think with oil, I think Utahns are starting to see that these are tough times and you want someone who's going to make tough decisions to say, hey, we're going down a really tough path, but I'm going to make the tough decisions to put us back. Now, it, you know, sometimes those decisions aren't the the easy decisions, mm -hmm. but he's a fiscal conservative who's always going to say we need to have our fiscal house in order. Mm -hmm. And frankly, there was a lot of packages um, that he, um, the first package, COVID package that Congress passed, he voted for. He was a little leery of the packages after that saying, hey guys, I know that people need help, but I think that it's going to hurt us in the long run. Mm -hmm. And that has come to fruition. In a big Sadly. way, it, it has. What does he think about the infrastructure bill, the potential? Coming? Yeah, so he so he is um, a fan of infrastructure. He okay. does believe that the federal government should uh, uh, does have a role to play in infrastructure. Um, now, I can't speak for him, but at least the words that he used at the time that I remember, if I can recall correctly, were it was about timing. Oh, okay. Um, he's for infrastructure, but it wasn't the right time. Okay. And I think I really do believe that we're seeing those things th that the money that we have spent, even though people like infrastructure and roads, mm -hmm. it wasn't the right time because we had spent so much money. Right. I mean, you'll, you'll hear Democrat economists say, and even folks from the White House will say that, that um, the amount of money that's been spent in the economy is up and businesses are making more money. So that's a good economy. Well, the problem is you just gave them a pile of cash and said, go spend mm -hmm. it. So, of course, that's going to happen. Yeah, That's true. spin. It caused inflation. It's, it's a artificial. problem. It's artificial. It's temporary. I so. think you'll, you're seeing people on the far right and you're seeing people even down the middle that say, hey, I appreciate that Senator Lee said no said to no. these things okay. because he was right. It caused some problems. What are we going to do to fix it? Do you know? I mean, I'm asking you just off the cuff. No. How do I we mean, dial it back? Well, luckily... Um, I think that Utah is a pretty well-run state. I do too. There's local communities that are very well-run. Especially Kaysville. Especially Kaysville. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, you know, you, you, you keep your, your fiscal house in order. Um, I wish that the federal government would take a page out of that book. I do too. I don't know. Is it going to be a tough rip the Band-Aid off and there's going to be a lot of pain there and we're forced to do these things? Mm -hmm. Or do we take, make the hard decisions today? Now, right. in my mind, I'm a, you know, maybe biased here, but I really think that we need to elect people that are going to say, hey, this may hurt. We're going to vote no. I'm going to vote no on this. And it may hurt a little bit, but I promise you, it is not going to be as painful as if we're forced to do this. I, I agree there. I agree. Because at least we can get in front of it. We can prepare for it. We know it's coming. Kind yeah. Of soften it just a little bit. But I also think one thing. One behavior change that I think needs to happen, but it's really tough, Yeah, is, you know, having worked back there, mm -hmm. 
Utahns are pretty conservative and Utahns are pretty fiscally conservative. Um, but they always come back there and will want a certain project. Oh, they're ask for something, right? Right. And I think we just need to be a little more mindful of what those things are. Now, no question. Um, I think that there's a little bit of a dilemma there. When things are going to be spent anyway, of course, jump in. Right. And, and I mean, it, right. It's going to be divvied out. You might as well take your share, right? Absolutely. At that point. Okay. But we got to have, we got to balance that. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and everyone's, everyone should, if, 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 if a bill passes and they're going to spend money like infrastructure, right. go get it. Right. And they I, should. I, I agree. Yeah. That's true. Well, Senator Lee's been consistent, like you mentioned, and it is really nice to know kind of what someone, where someone's coming from. That's what we want. We want that uh, confidence yeah. in our elected officials. Yeah. Right. That being said, um, is that, do you think the key to his success has, has that been, is that why he's beloved? I was at the, uh, county delegation. Yeah. County convention, yeah. and he was treated like a rock star in stage. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. The room erupted, mm. and people were so happy. And he comes out there, and you know. <laughs> well, I think the thing with Senator Lee is that in some places he can be a rock star, in other places he'll create just as much noise, but it may not be positive, right? Mm -hmm. I think most Utahns have an opinion of him already. Now, luckily, more Utahns like him than don't. So I have no question that in his general election race against Evan McMullen, that he will be absolutely be successful. I agree. Um, I don't have any doubt about that at all. Um, but, you know, they're going to run, the other side's probably going to run a pretty good campaign. What, what I think is unfortunate is you're probably going to see a lot of negative, negative press. Negative stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's to be expected, especially in national politics, which is so disappointing. Yeah, Because it it's probably really hard. It takes a lot of money to get in front of those things. Yeah. And to mitigate them at the last 11th hour when they like to publish things and create yeah. chaos. It's just but an, we're smart here. It's been, a, it's been an I interesting thing to see Utah. Evan McMullen come on a, as a candidate who he ran for president, right? Mm -hmm. As the kind of constitutionalist yes. alternative to Donald Trump. But now is the Democrat Party's nominee. Exactly. Um, I don't know how that works. And put him through, or I guess backed him at their convention. That's desperate. Very interesting. Right? Doesn't that just, isn't that desperate? They didn't even, they had a candidate. Yeah. They I walked mean, <laughs> away from their own candidate and they're backing an independent. And I think they're, it's a struggle for them being competitive and fighting for future races. And Absolutely. saying the Democrat There's Party no has a place there. here in Utah. They mm -hmm. kind of forfeited that, right? They did. They, by um, their own... And, and hey, I, I actually take my hat off to those people who um, were at the uh, Democrat Party convention, state convention, and said, hey, like, we still believe in our party. Um, you know, good for them for standing up to that. Well, I'm curious. So as an independent, how, and maybe this just shows that I don't know what I'm talking about and I am naive. How does an independent vote and how does an independent have a voice in a majority held uh, Senate? You know, yeah. so he I said mean, he's not going to caucus with he, other parties. So what does that mean? So that means um, he'll be ineffective. He will have zero committee assignments. Ineffective. Ineffective. Absolutely ineffective. Um, you know, they may make a different argument and say that he will be uh, like a mansion. Well, mansion has a party, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, it's never been done before, to my recollection. Um, but he won't get any committee assignments. So there are a couple independents, right? Angus King, mm -hmm. um, Bernie Sanders. Uh, yes. Now, but they do caucus with a party. And, and so, what did they just choose which party they want to caucus with at exactly, the moment? From yeah, and, from the, and convention and they, to the and, convention, and or? they they caucus with the Democrat Party, and 
Um, so I, I, and they have us have committee assignments and, mm. and have a say in legislation. I think Evan McMullen will not have that same benefit. Well, well then why, I, I guess in my mind, I'm just thinking that, that will create, he's ineffective. I mean, it just seems like a waste of a, of, of a seat. Yeah. In, and in he'll make mind. the argument that it's going to be opposite of that. Um, but I think as a the, lone wolf or one of three or yeah, one of five. And at I at mean, the end of the day, though, I think that is a path. They see a path to victory, do right? They? Okay. Um, I think that they, it's a long shot. Absolutely. But I think at the end of the day, Utah's are going to say, hey, we're dealing with tough times. Right. I know what Mikeley's going to do. I mm-hmm. don't know what Evan McMullen's going to do. I know what Mikeley's going to do. Right. And he's been right on a lot of these issues and mm-hmm. policies. We need him right now. I think that's what's what will end up happening. So agree or disagree with him, at least he's consistent. And yeah. and that's something that yeah. people look towards, yeah. right? They want to know consistently, how will this person react in this situation? Yep. Whether or not I agree. Absolutely. And I got to tell you, as a staffer working for him, it's actually a delight. Because when you meet with people who are in disagreement with you mm-hmm. and his policies, you don't, or they spring something on you. And it's a policy that you've never heard of. You know what Mike Lee is rooted in and you can just speak openly, say, hey, he doesn't believe that's the government's role. We need to get our fiscal house in order. We should have local control. These cities and the states need to have a greater say. I think, I mean, I don't know. What have you seen? What has your interaction been with the federal government? I think you probably agree that local control is better. I do. Residents have more access to you. We're right here on Kaysville Main Street. Right. You're here. We're across from City Hall. Right. You're not a five-hour flight to D.C., mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, uh, obviously, um, they can reach me. I like that. I like that hands-on. And and that's what I do like about our our congressional leaders as well as our state leaders here in Utah. I can reach them. Yeah. I can call them. I can text them. Yeah. And they'll respond. And that's fantastic. Well, I think Kaysville City is incredibly lucky to have you. Well, thank you. I'm a huge fan. I'm not just saying that, but I'm, I tell people this. I love Mayor Tran. Why? Well, I'm kind of biased. She's Korean. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm just going to be. But I want <laughs> to hear if I can ask. When I went to Korea recently, you were there right after me. Right. And you the met day. your family. We did. We How did. was that? It was incredible. So about a year and a half ago, um, we had a new DNA relative. I had a, a new DNA cousin yeah. and reached out to her and she ignored me because mm. I reached out in English. Okay. Then my daughter-in-law, Ryan's wife, messaged her in Korean because mm. she's from South Korea. Yeah. And so this woman responded to the Korean message. She just thought I was some weirdo. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they, they're from South Korea. They were just living in California because her husband had a job in California. Yeah. Um, they've since moved back to Korea. Anyway, so her son got a DNA test. Um, he, they showed up as a cousin, messaged her. She responded. So we made this connection, and she was able to connect me to my birth family. So we talked over Zoom. Yeah. And then got to actually meet them about a month so ago. So did you just say, hey, Oma, <laughs> I want to come over there, and I want to meet you. It was and so like, weird. Yes. It was, well, we were thinking, okay, let's wait till next year. Because, you know, this year we're kind of busy. I'm a new mayor. 
et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. And um, messaged that to the to my birth mother, and she said, no, no, you need to come now. I'm 70. I might die. You oh. know, <laughs> kind of being tra- dramatic. But, 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 but it could happen as well. My, I mean, my father-in-law was 70. That's when he really? passed. So no, I'm Okay, absolutely. well, I mean, I think she's fairly healthy, but she just really wanted us to go over there. Yeah. And so I thought, well, I mean, after waiting my whole life, I can't not go. So we dropped everything, went over for eight days, met them. Wow. It was... It was weird. I kept I kept wondering, am I going to feel anything? Is it going to so be what, what, weird? what emotions did you have? Uh, I was a little bit, well, obviously, really nervous. Yeah. But it, it was it was neat. She just kept crying and touching my face. And <laughs> it was so cute. She just, she's waited her whole life to find out what happened. Yep. She'd given birth to me when she was 20. Um, her husband, my birth father, and her husband, they later got married, went off to war for three years. So she had to give me up. He came back. They got married. They had two boys. So I have two full brothers. So we got to meet the whole family. I think there were 30 people there with the extended family. I bet they were so excited. And not only, I, not, not only do I bet they were excited, I bet they fed you very well. They did Koreans feed us, know yes, how to they, feed they people. They did. They fed us really well. <laughs> and it was funny. They, they were just very sweet, very genuine. She just kept holding my hand and... And that was your first was time to Korea? Uh, no, not. Okay. We went in 2019 okay. for the first time oh, back fun. from when I was adopted. Super fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, was over cool. there uh, visiting my parents. They've been stationed there with the military for 11 oh, yeah. years. That's a long time. Um, and so it was kind of fun that we were just crossing paths. Yeah. So I, I was like texting like, I want to hear how it's going. I oh, was kind of nervous for you, to be honest. Thank you. I was, I was nervous. I couldn't imagine. It, it, it was really, like. it was really comfortable. And yet, then that was, that's why it was so strange. We're meeting these people who are strangers, mm-hmm. but, the, but we were so comfortable. Yeah. It just felt normal. Wow. And it's weird wow. because now thinking back on that experience, I'm, I'm asking myself, why was it such a big deal for me to meet them? But it was, <laughs> you know, it was huge. It was this huge gap in my life. And what was really neat to me is I kept thinking it was all about me and, oh, it's my story. And really, I think the, the, um, the comfort and peace that it brought my birth mother has been incredible. She said, you know, I felt like we had sinned against God and oh. people and humanity and we gave our baby away and we're horrible people, but I can see that you're happy. Oh, she's got to see and she's and be just so, so happy. proud. I mean, did you have to explain what mayor of Kaysville <laughs> yeah, was? Yeah, yeah, that's what's so funny. They kept saying, you're the mayor. And I said, okay, guys, Kaysville has 36,000-ish people. We're 10 square miles. It's a wonderful honor, and I love being mayor here, and I love Kaysville. Knowing the Korean culture, but though, I'm sure versus, your mom. Yeah, versus Gimhae, which I think is 3 million people. But I'm sure she was you know. telling people, oh, this is my daughter. She's mayor yes. Yes, exactly. in, in the U.S. Yes. Yeah. They are, they're very proud and it's really cute. And, mm. and But I had to try to explain, okay, it's a little easier in America yeah. to have these opportunities to serve politically. Yeah. It's still difficult and hard and challenging and it's a great, great honor. But, you know, 36,000 people versus 3 million people. So what was it, it like? It's a bigger ask. I should know this. Did you grow up in Kaysville? I grew up in Utah County. Okay. Cool. Went to Orem High and went to Provo High. Okay. Went to elementary school there. Awesome. Yeah. And then what got was it like growing up as a Korean? I have my own experiences oh, growing up as, as a, a Korean. Korean here. You know, it was hard. We lived in West Provo when I was little. And I have a sister who's adopted and then another sister and two brothers who are biological children of my parents. Yeah. And a uh, Caucasian family. Yeah. And so there weren't any Asians. I was, we were treated really poorly as kids, teased all the time. 
it was it was hard. It was hard. It was really hard. And what was really hard is I'd come home to my mom and I'd say, they called me flat face or they called me squinty eyes. And, and she'd say, yeah, well, at least they're not teasing you because your last name's Buddenhagen because her, <laughs> her, her maiden name was Buddenhagen. <laughs> you know, and That's on it. one good hand, to bring humor to yeah, it. it was good for her to kind of simplify it and minimize it. But at the same time, I didn't feel supported. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's tough. Because I, you know, I don't know. But but looking back, I'm really glad she handled it that way. Because I've always grown up just believing, well, you know, it could always be my ears or something else well, that they're the, teasing me the over. The first time I was sent to the principal's office was, I want to say first and only, but first was, only. Uh, I think I was in second grade and there was a fifth grader that came up to me and said, hey, you go back to China. And so really? I punched him. Oh, you did? Oh, good Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> I did. Because I was, what are you talking about, man? I'm Korean. <laughs> I kind of had to calculate later. I was so young that, oh, so cute. that was just a racist remark. I was like, dude, I'm Korean. So at least I go back to Korea. <laughs> right. You know? Good for um, you. But no, it was, I think Utah, you know, someone was asking me about this the other day on just my experience of growing up as a Korean. And I think Utah's an incredible place with one of the most welcoming, kind, loving people. Um, it is a unique experience to grow up as a Korean in Utah. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say bad. It was wonderful. But I do think there are um, very few people are racist in Utah. I have experienced it mm-hmm. for sure. But very few. And so I actually went to a Korean American society event and I spoke about political activism. Oh, and there were a ton of young Koreans there, kids. I kind of wanted to go up to them because I'm like, hey, I lived and experienced a lot of things you're going to experience. I just mm-hmm. wanted to say, hey, don't take it personal. Yeah. Be proud of your culture and who you are. Yeah. And just know there's a couple people that are jerks. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that everyone's bad. And that is great advice. It, it's something that I wish someone had told me when I was young. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I grew up, you know, in this very Caucasian society yeah. in West Provo and felt bad about myself. Yeah. Just felt like I was different and didn't fit in. And then I met my husband, Lee, <laughs> who's who, incredible. He was incredibly proud of being Chinese. Yeah. Um, loves the fact that he's Asian. And he gave me a sense of identity, realizing, oh, it's kind of, it's a good thing to be different. It's a good thing to be unique. That's and hard as a kid, though. You want to fit in. You but, do. but even as a kid, he felt really special because he was Chinese. Okay, he's my hero. He, mine too. And, and it's really neat because our kids were raised differently, obviously. Um, they grew up here in Kaysville, which is very, yeah, very, it's not very diverse. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. They went to Davis High, which is also not very diverse. But my kids had an incredible time. That's Great awesome. friends, wonderful, supportive people. And so I'm really grateful that Lee's perspective was, hey, we're Asian and we're proud. It doesn't mean Absolutely. that we're different. It means that we're just, we're, we're unique. We're special. And that's kind of what I want to teach the and next generation great. is, and, and, you know, when I was at this event, um, they asked, what, what's some of your advice to the people in this room? And I said, well... The people in this room are clearly active. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we as Koreans or the Asian community or minorities in general yeah. have an obligation to speak up for those that don't have the opportunity. Um, there are a lot of entrepreneurs here in Utah that um, are Korean. Mm-hmm. I have an uncle of mine who I love him. He's one of my heroes. He does Uber Eats, sells shoes at the swap meet out of his car. Really? And is the most humble incredible 
guy. That's great. He's not active, right? But there are government policies that are impacting him on a daily life uh, every day. So for instance, if he's going to go deliver some food, these gas prices are killing him. Oh yeah, right? for sure. But he feels helpless. And, and even those that are engaged and involved kind of feel helpless, right? Mm-hmm. But I really do think, and this is kind of to you as well, and this is a thanks to you for being mayor. I feel like we have an obligation to speak up for those that don't have a feel like they have a voice, right? Matt, you're you're exactly right. People have asked me, why do you want to get involved in public service mm-hmm. and stuff? And it's not because I wanted to do Facebook videos and look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I've done a lot of those. But it's because I felt like we have an obligation, a responsibility to, to try to help somebody else yep. to give back. And what's been really cool that I didn't expect or didn't see coming, I guess, is that people will come up to me who are ethnic. Not necessarily just Asian, just ethnic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they'll say, you know, I told my daughter, our woman, our, we have a woman mayor. We have a female mayor. And, um, and she's brown. And my daughter was so excited. And she's, you're her hero. And to me, that's really rewarding. And I, I didn't go into this with that agenda yeah. in mind. But it, it, makes me, it makes me proud of the opportunity that I have to show people that, yes, it doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from. If you have a desire to serve, if you want to be involved, you can be. See, I think people need examples like that in life of where don't focus on being a victim. Right. Focus on the inspiration. And like your husband, for instance, just being so proud and excited. Mm-hmm. Every door was open for that guy because well, of his attitude. Well, true. Right? And he's, he loves being an American. Yeah. I mean, he is more American than any American I've ever known. He really is. He, I mean, he you loves. You know what I love about that guy, though? I think we knew each other a day and he was sharing every opinion he had. And I <laughs> right? said, I love you. We're going to hang out more. He is a hardcore Republican <laughs> and he is a, he loves America and he's so patriotic. Well, I got to say, when I met him, I said, man, how does this guy stay so fit? And you and him stay so fit. So I asked and you guys said, Orange Orange Theory. Theory. (laughs) And you know what's funny? You told me he goes at 5 a.m. He does. So I said, well, that's a little early. But if he can do that, I can do that. Are you serious? So I go at 5 a.m. Oh, my I wake gosh. up at 4.20. Now, look, I'm, a, I'm like a week and a half in, so I'm not, I can't brag here. But, but a I, week I, and a half is big. <laughs> You've got little kids. You're probably up all night with but them. But hey, look at that. You're inspiring people, even on exercise. So okay. thank you. That, that is awesome. <laughs> Lee will be really happy to hear that. They keep telling him, hey, it's bring a friend day. Where's your wife? Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. So, I'll get back there. So how far in are you? With being mayor, how many years? I am seven months in. Seven months in. Of a four-year tour. I'm sure you've loved it. You've done an incredible job. Thank you. I, I've loved it. We've got a great staff. What I love about America is the form of government that we have is set up in such a way that one person can't, well, <laughs> maybe maybe a, a party can destroy it, but one individual cannot. Yeah. And so anyway, that gives me confidence just knowing that we've got a great team in Kaysville. We've got a great staff great city council what's on the horizon so anything any an fun deeds to, to share anything fun going on the horizon well we are thinking about going to a fundraiser for governor um DeSantos. oh yeah yeah i think it's tomorrow actually okay. might be too late to rsvp for that cool cool cool. anyway so um going to that what are you talking big picture politics no just for the city is anything oh, kind okay. of let's see the city well development's always a big deal we yeah. don't have a lot of areas undeveloped. Yeah. So that's always a hot topic when rezones come up. We might be getting a couple new businesses. We're hoping that happens. That's a big deal to us. Is growth still 
kind of an issue here, just like every other community along the Wasatch Front? Growth is hard. I mean, Kaysville, we wanted to be a bedroom community, and we are. You know, I think we're 95% single family homes here. Hmm. And even if we developed all of the undeveloped land, I think it would make it maybe put us at 92% if we put higher density. To Kaysville, higher density is more than two units an acre. Yeah. That's considered high density. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're not talking high rise, uh, you know, real yeah. tight anything. I think that we should have a little bit more diverse housing. Yeah. But it's a really hard sell here because a lot of people even though i think in our minds we want our kids to live here we want our parents to be able to live here in smaller patio homes if that's what they prefer we don't necessarily want it in our neighborhood yeah so we're trying to overcome that nimby well so in cottonwood heights where i live Mm -hmm. um just like every community dealing with those issues of growth you know one of the things that i've um seen my neighbors go through i had a petition come to me um they wanted me to sign i didn't at the time i didn't want to partake and i just said hey guys I know you want your kids to live in this community because you've told me that it is very important to have them close. Mm -hmm. There's nowhere for them to go. It's true. So you're going to have to pick one. Either remove any additional growth or or, uh, different housing options, if it's apartments or condos or townhomes or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want your kids to be close or do you want to make sure that your city doesn't change? And that's the dilemma that I think a lot of people deal with. Mm-hmm. On my side, I'm more the side of those are the property rights that these individuals have. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they can put a football arena on it, but there's got to be a regional a- approach to the rights that they have as a landowner and also the demand that we're facing here along the Wasatch Front. I agree 100%. I mean, what really is frustrating to me is when people come in and say, Hey, they just want to make money off their land. Well, of course they do. <laughs> yeah. That's our society. That's capitalism. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. They should make money off their land. Yeah. That is their right. Yes. Um, for a lot of families, it's their inheritance. It's been in their family for generations. And the person who's complaining lives also on farmland that was yeah. developed and sold to them. So that's kind of a frustrating thing. We have an elementary. So Kaysville is known for two things, schools and churches. We have a lot of both here because those are our priorities and our values. And that's Mm -hmm. why we like to live here. In Kaysville, we have an elementary on the west side near me that will only have one kindergarten class this next fall. Whoa. Only one class. I think they have six six kindergarten classrooms, but they'll only have one class of kindergartners. And the reason it's happening is because we are pricing people out of the market. Young families really can't afford to live in Kaysville. Yeah. Maybe in Utah. I don't know, but in, especially here in Kaysville. And I think that that is a problem moving forward because it's, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not creating a path forward for us and it's not protecting the past as well. So we've, we've got to have some growth. We've got to have some diversity and, uh, you know, it's just a hard conversation to have. It's tough. It's tough. Cause people yeah. don't, they don't want change, but yet they realize there are some needs. And then, you know, we have people telling us, well, the state's going to force us to do this and this. And we have council members currently that say, let them, let them come get us. Oh, and, and, you know, wow. <laughs> yes. And that's, that's not a good plan either. I think there's got to be, there's got to be some negotiation. There's got to be some balance there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that's no, I, I feel bad. You know, I, I, out of all my siblings, I'm the only one that owns a home and it's tough. It's tough to see. Just it, it you is. Want, you want everyone to have that same opportunity. Well, and now with interest rates increasing the way they are, 
I was talking to a friend who's a realtor and she said she had, I think, seven houses listed. And, you know, three months ago, they would have been gone with multiple offers and they're still all sitting. Well, it was funny. I, I got, I got it, a, it was that fast. I got a phone call from uh, Chase Bank, who I got my original home loan through in 2018. And he called me back and was like, hey, Matt, how are you doing? I said, you're not selling a lot. You're not closing a lot of homes right now, are you? Or else you wouldn't be calling me. He goes, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. So it's slow. It's really slow. For sure. Um, we're just in a tough time. And I will get out of it somehow, just as a nation, not you even will. housing, but just everything is just tough right now. I think mm-hmm. we just need to band together as communities, as Utahns, and yeah. try to find some common ground on some stuff and get get things pushed forward. So, I mean, the good news for anyone listening who's really young and doesn't realize we will rebound. Yeah, because that's how it cycles. Yes, and and we see these cycles historically, and we know it goes up and then it comes down and then it levels off and then it goes up. So, I mean, there will be a light. My first job was two thousand eight. That's when mm, I entered the workforce. Really? Okay. Was two thousand eight. Um, and so there were some tough times, mm-hmm. but it rebounded. We lit, we lived through some fantastic years. We They're did. tough right now. It's going to rebound again. Um, it'll be interesting to see though, what happens nationally with politics. And if the Republicans take control of the Senate, what happens, uh, with the presidency, there's rumors out there that Trump, uh, says that he's going to announce that he's going to run before the midterms, which I don't know if that's a really? good strategy or not. There's a no. lot of people out there that are in kind of some of those swing states that say, hey, we're focusing on the bad policies of the Biden administration. If you jump in, it's then going to be, so do you support Trump or not? Mm-hmm. Instead of, Instead of what are we going to do with this, this inflation with some of these issues that we're facing? So is but he going to come out and go? That's what that's what everyone's really? kind of saying. It's incredible. So when I was a young mom, yeah. you know, busy with my kids, yeah. I thought, oh my gosh, when my kids grow up, my life will be over. And I dreaded <laughs> turning 50. Since I turned 20, I think I was depressed about being 50. Yeah. Probably for 30 years of my life, I was depressed yeah. thinking eventually I'd be 50. Well, now I am. And I'm realizing, oh, there's still a life. I'm still kicking. There's still work to do. So I guess my point is I really admire the fact that Trump is 74, isn't he? Or around something. there, yeah. And he wants to go another four years and bite in. How old is he? I don't know. I don't even know how old he is. But, but there's got to be some younger people, though, that we can <laughs> right. select from, right? right? But these guys are still <laughs> kicking and they're still going strong. Because I just, just even to do a a campaign as mayor, that was exhausting. Yeah. It was so much work. Yeah. And it was so hard. I can't running imagine for running for president. No. The amount of money, the, just the exhaustion. bad press, the, all the, the above. Stress. I don't... if. Biden runs again, if Trump runs or whoever runs, I don't envy any of them. I don't either, but especially at their ages. I mean, these are elderly people. Yeah. And and it's great. <laughs> but but it's I tough. mean, that takes a lot of energy it's and tough. stamina. Well, luckily, I'm sure they have a lot of young, young staff. They do. They're putting a lot of those the, hours and the they kind of show up. But it, it'll be fun to watch. I think I'll miss DC a little bit, but I'm really happy to be back here. I'm happy for this next chapter of my life and my career. Um, never had plans to go into lobbying, but I've loved it. And I've started to dive into some of these issues that Spencer Stokes obviously had an existing book of business. And it's great to be a problem solver. Well, I'm glad you brought up lobbying because I wanted to ask you more about it. Yeah. So what exactly would a company or a city hire you to do? And sure. what types of entities will you represent? A- anything from financial institutions, individual businesses, 
um, to, for instance, uh, Spencer has the Utah Jazz and the Larry H. Miller Group, oh, right? Really? So they're kind that of would be fun. really diverse, including Lifetime Tables is actually one of his clients. So oh. some businesses, it's about trying to have someone there in your corner to help navigate government and play defense. Meaning, uh, let's say that you're a insurance company like uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Select Health, any of uh, United Health, any of those folks. Um, they're going to want someone in their corner to play defense to say, hey, folks, let me share a little bit of perspective on what it's like to run an insurance company, some of the issues that they deal with, right? Oh. Because that's one of those issues that government's constantly trying to work to tweak or fix. And there needs to be someone there that says, hey, from the perspective of insurers, this is kind of what we're dealing with, right? Mm, okay. Now, that's defense. Some companies like Lifetime Products would need um, some offense. So they make a, a product, a, a basketball hoop, right? That's made in Clearfield, Utah. Mm -hmm. um, but I believe, we and have I, one. I'm not going to get this correct completely, but I know that the net, for instance, in the basketball hoop, there's no one in the U.S. that makes nets. So the net is made are you out of the U.S. Nobody in well, the... A lot of these competencies and these companies have gone overseas just due to competition or price mm -hmm. or whatever um, the market has dictated. And so um, they labeled their products to be made in the USA. But they had an item in there like the net, something super insignificant, um, and shipped it to California. Well, California, uh, I know, you know, gave them some pushback, said, hey... This isn't made in the USA. And you're thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Oh. They're creating jobs in Clearfield, Utah, and they're going to be penalized because. Are you saying the state of California? That's right. Oh, okay. Because a net isn't made in the, in, in, in the U.S. So um, Spencer, when I was in the senator's office, this is actually before I was there, but uh, worked with um, Senator Lee to push forward the Ramp Act. And the Ramp Act. Um, help fix this issue on a national level because California cannot dictate what made in the USA is. They're a state, right? Okay. And, and lifetime should not country, be penalized. Even though they want to be. Even though okay. they want to be. And okay. some of us kind of wish they were a different country. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, that's kind of the offense side. It oh, did okay. pass the Senate um, and it is being pushed over to the House. I believe Congressman Curtis is one of the sponsors over there. So they're trying to, to fix it. So it, it all depends. Um, it's problem solving. It's relationships and being able to get into the weeds and say, hey, I know you're dealing with this hardship due to the government. Let me figure out how to alleviate some of those pressures. So really, you're a team builder, a connector, relationship yeah. builder. It's no difference than what That's you crazy. try to do for Kaysville City. You, it'd be nice if you only had to worry about Kaysville, but you don't. Mm -hmm. There are cities around you. There's a county, there's a state, and there's a federal government, right? right. That are, and you, it's your job to ensure that you're making sure that your citizens are treated fairly on all those levels of government. Right. And that's exactly what a lobbyist does. That's interesting. So will you be spending a lot of time in D.C.? Do you have to go back and, and it, I think it kind of depends. and testify? Um, and... I know that um, there will be those opportunities for sure. Uh, I will probably focus a lot more here locally. Um, so working at the legislative session. Okay, um, so state law. State, kind yeah. of focus on state, state law. And there's some county, some county work, and oh, okay. you know, uh, a lot of folks that are focused on kind of growth and development and trying to figure out how to navigate that. And it was fun. I actually used to work at Rio Tinto Kennecott, right, the copper mine out oh, there really? out west. And so uh, Rio Tinto is the largest landholder. 
private landholder of available developable land in Salt Lake County. Oh, okay. So, oh, there's a lot of people that are trying to develop Get some of that of land because they even own some of the inland port land as well. Oh. So I had some fun experience kind of working with local communities and saw firsthand how passionate people and emotional people can become over housing. And I, yes. some of the arguments they made said, hey, we need the infrastructure first. I totally understand mm-hmm, that, that and get sense. that. Um, but, you know, I feel like I've lived, uh, lived a thousand lives. Mm-hmm. If you go way back to my early days, <laughs> I worked at a mortuary. Oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. Doing flower delivery and d- set them up with the bodies there and everything. Oh, I was a sushi chef for a year. That would be Which fun. was super fun. Did valet. I actually, uh, before I got into politics, applied to the Culinary Arts, uh, Culinary Institute of America in New York. Really? So I got accepted, was going to go down there, but then I got this call from Megan Espinosa. I'll never forget about it. It said 202 and nothing else. From Megan Espinosa at the White House saying, Matt, we'd love for you to become an intern here for George W. Bush. Would you really? like to take the opportunity? And I said, Okay, cooking, politics, <laughs> cooking. I had to make a decision. Luckily, with politics, there's plenty of eating. That, right, right. That's true. That's true. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old it were was you? a tough time for me um, because I, it was my dream as a kid to become a pilot. And I wanted to be a pilot Is since I was five years fi- old. Pilot or commercial or anything. My okay. dad worked for Federal Express. I'd go to Memphis, Tennessee with him. We'd see the planes take off. If I could have picked at the time, I wanted to be a FedEx pilot. Right? Awesome. It's a good life being a FedEx pilot. It's a pilot. great, great life. They make good um, money. And anyway, uh, went on an LDS mission, but I was brought back early because I ended up getting something called cholinergic urticaria, where I'm allergic to heat. Oh. Which is very weird weird and random. Yeah. Though I found a statistic out that something like 0.06% of the people that get it or 0.06% of people generally get it, but of that something like 65% are Asian males. Really? Where I was like, "Oh shoot. Well, there you Interesting. go." Interesting. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um they brought me back. My mission was in Houston, Texas. Oh. Came back and I did a genealogy m- mission down at Temple Square. Um and I got a letter from the FAA. So I got into my dream school, Embry-Riddle in Prescott, Arizona. You're kidding. Very excited. Got a letter from the FAA saying, you are barred from flying because you have cholinergic urticaria. Oh. And I was devastated. Oh, yeah. Devastated. Absolutely. And so, so I was trying to figure out what to do next. Oh, my and gosh. And when I got that phone call, it was, I, I teared up because it was, you know, everyone deserves a break. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my break. That's neat. And it was nice to kind of see the path forward. Well, and it's fun to talking to people because it's interesting to see how this was your plan, but yet this happened and then your plan changed and look where it's led you so far. The plan never it's incredible. works. Yes. Sometimes I say don't come up with a plan because it never, <laughs> it never works. works. Or just plan on different. the plan not working. Yes, exactly. Um, but that's the fun of life. There's a lot of young kids that get that's into politics neat. and they say, hey, what is some advice? And I say, honestly, work hard, stay humble, be someone that people want to work with. Mm-hmm. That's true. And everything's going to work out. Your reputation precedes you. And in, in your case, it totally does. And it's so positive. You know everybody. You literally. Well, and I not have even, tricked you into Not that. even that you know everybody. People know you. And, and I think that's even, that's even more impactful. Well, thank when you people so know you and they like you. Well, so I'm I a huge fan of yours, awesome like I said. So I appreciate this opportunity just to chat, catch up and. It's been Hopefully great. Hopefully I can, you know, I, I have never lived in Kaysville, but some of the greatest people that I know live in Kaysville. So 
You're right. If I can we ever help some... out the city, you let me know. I will, for sure. Matt, it's been so much fun talking to you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, I've enjoyed man. it.